I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. This week we are taking a look a little further into Japanese cinema in 1982's Hoero Tekken, um, which is also known as Roaring Fire, and is starring Hiroyuki Sanada, and get a nice uh, cameo, or not cameo, I guess a, a, a kind of a minor role from uh, Sonny Chiba, um, and we get to see Itsuko Shihomi again which is really exciting. The last episode, we were talking about how much we wish we got to see her a little more in action, and we get to see her a little more in action in this one. Uh, so, Carlos, this was another pick from you. Can you tell us a little bit about what your uh, your decision process there was? Yeah, well, I'm trying to represent uh, Japanese action films, and as we go through all these years, one of the more prominent things that I'm discovering and with talking to some of my friends is that the Japan Action Club, which was a stunt team that was formed by Sonny Chiba is very important Mm -hmm. and there's a ton of great movies like I would say that maybe the fighting choreography isn't as tight as like the Hong Kong movies that we really like but you can't deny that the energy of these movies and like just some of the fun stunts that you see in them Mm -hmm. uh, really uh, let them put their stamp on action cinema and uh, Hoero Tekken is a uh, I mean we've seen it already and we're going to talk about it but it's a really (laughs) fun representation of that there's a there's a oh, little yeah. bit of everything in this movie. Yeah. And, and, uh, it reminded me a lot of the kung fu comedies that we've been watching. Yeah. Yeah, there's it, a bit of that. It, it, it kind of feels like uh, a bit like an anime kind of flavor to it. <laughs> yeah. and, and some of yeah, it is like uh, almost like a step away from like tokusatsu like show. Oh, yeah. Like uh, Kamen Rider or uh, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hiroyuki Sanada is, you know... In this movie, he's, like, super young, and if you didn't know who it was, you might not recognize him, but he's uh, become a pretty prominent uh, movie star, not only in Japan, but uh, in the world. So um, Mm -hmm. even still, like, this year, when I was looking stuff up, he's going to be in, he's, like, in the second season of Westworld, or the newest season of Westworld. Yeah, He's going to be in the new Avengers movie. Um, He's going to be... He did a voice in Minions? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he, he had a, he had a part in, I don't know if you guys saw that uh, film Mr. Holmes with Ian McKellen. Yeah, he's got a small um, role in that movie a, as well, oh, and that's, yeah, you know, not action. He's he's aged very well. Um, I know, he looked, yeah. I was showing, Alvina was watching the end of the movie with me, and then I was just looking up his photo today. And yeah, she could <laughs> not get over it. He looked, yeah, he looks amazing for his age. Smooth mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, smooth yeah, dude. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think he's going to be in the next John Wick movie as well. Oh, that'll <laughs> yeah. be great. Yeah. And I mean, over the years, he's, um, you know, he, even though he started off in action, uh, he's had some, you know, prominent roles in, in mm-hmm. that genre, but he's grown beyond that. You know, he was in actually the original Ring, like the Japanese. Uh, oh, Ringu. Yeah. Oh, Ringu. He oh, was, cool. He was um, in that movie. Man, he's been all over the place. Yeah. For me, I was trying to think about when... I first noticed him in movies, and I think it was in The Last Samurai. He was 
kind of like <sighs> um, one of the guys that was like resenting Tom Cruise's character, which is like whatever. I I remember right. Tom, the last Samurai is a cool movie, but. I remember going into it being like, this is going to be dumb. But then when I left, I was like, hey, this was actually pretty good. But I haven't revisited it, so <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, I have kind of a similar feeling about it. He was in one of the Rush Hour movies, too. So Oh, Rush you know, Hour 3, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's you know shared the screen with Jackie Chan. And actually, Very they cool. just announced, uh, I think I just read something oh, yeah, from Tucker yesterday. Oh, yeah, Rush Hour 4. That I think they're going to, yeah, Which go is ahead nuts. with Rush Hour 4. <laughs> Yeah, but he's kind of in that pool of actors where, yeah. um, you know, like uh, Ken Watanabe. So, oh, like, yeah, if you, just of you know, you get a, a big Hollywood movie and they want somebody that's very Japanese, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, marketable uh, around the world, he'll be in that pool of actors that you'll see very often. This movie uh, is very notable for us because this is the first movie that we watched so far that doesn't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it's true. true. Yeah, um, yeah no, at least not, like not in English. Like getting not an English one, at least. Yeah, yeah, and there's something to be said about that, too, where I think, you know, with the show, we do want to kind of cover stuff that's maybe a little more accessible to people, and this is, mm. like, not accessible at all. No. So, um, Although I, I think there, there is, like, a dub, English dub on YouTube, but I don't know if you guys tried watching it, but I would say, it's, like, every, every three minutes, like, the audio, it doesn't just really... cut out. There's, like, a really weird, loud sound. It was 18 years ago when I first went to Japan. I did look on Amazon and there's one VHS of Roaring Fire listed for 20 bucks. So if one of our listeners is really (laughs) eager to check it out after this episode, hop on that. Mm And actually, yeah, if you do buy the VHS, yeah, please like uh, tweet a photo. Let us know. Yeah, that would be great. For sure. I I actually, for my own sake, I did find, um, I'd have to look up the website, but there was some Kung Fu kind of like DVD, like sales website that I found that had a listing for it. And I went ahead and bought it. So I haven't gotten it yet, but as soon as I do get it, Hopefully, if I do get it, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll let everyone know that it's a place that we can actually access this yeah. movie so other oh, people nice. can see it as well. Our fearless leader. Trying, man. <laughs> trying. I also am kind of doing this thing where it's like, even though a lot of these movies are movies that I'm familiar with as we're going through the show, I kind of want to have like a nice version of it. So like I imported, mm-hmm. yeah, you I, know, I like totally Yes, know Madam and... Uh, you know, Wheels on Meals and stuff like that. So that's kind of something I'm doing for myself. I mean, yeah, there's, I there's almost this kind of like archivist feeling. I don't know, it maybe does. maybe it's our age or just the times that we're living in and kind of knowing that there's something sort of transient about a lot of th- these movies that we like and mm-hmm. they may not be preserved. So uh, getting a DVD is is kind of a gem and getting, getting something in like a higher definition, like a Blu-ray, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a really rare treat yeah and i mean you know who knows you know somebody that might be listening to our show might become aware of this movie and who some butterfly effect right that yeah actually like promote this genre that there might be some savior out there that can help Mm us get these movies out to people that might enjoy them and this is a movie well worth preserving i think oh totally uh, it's a really fun one uh, and it's the, a great like kind of a snapshot of an era that yeah you know, was kind of gone for, gone forever, and it's just it's so interesting and colorful. I, I think especially mm-hmm. uh, for a Western 
viewer. I think there's going to be a lot about this movie that will mm-hmm. kind of surprise and excite you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to introduce us to the movie, I think we should take a look at the back of the VHS. What's wrong, King Kong? Can he stand up straight? Joji Hibiki was enjoying a nice, simple life in America until revelations by his dying father sent him on an unexpected journey. With his pet monkey, Peter, he makes his way to Japan to face a family he never knew and a shadowy syndicate that will stop at nothing to take him out. Hiroyuki Henry Sanada plays the amazing Joji as he dives into a world full of martial arts action. Brought to life by the Japan Action Club. Guest appearances by Sony Chiba of The Street Fighter as Mr. Magic. Co-starring Etsuko Sushihomi of Sister Street Fighter as the blind butt kicker Shihiro. And special appearance by wrestling superstar Abdullah the Butcher. Come down, kid! I'm on a The roaring fire of hot-blooded action can't be doused up by anything in Hoero Tekken. So the movie starts off with this. It's kind of funny. I wrote it. It starts in the small, sleepy town of Hong Kong because <laughs> it has like this really pleasant, like really chill music while there's these like sweeping helicopter shots of you know, 1980s Hong Kong. The yeah. music in general Which, in this movie like plays the mellower mood of like mm-hmm. whatever moments going on, and I, it doesn't remind me of of anything else. And I I just love it. It's, it's oh the music's great. amazing in this oh, movie. Oh my gosh, so good! It is. It's super this is, good. Uh, I, composed by Kentaro Haneda. Yeah, Correct. I could really I could talk about this for a little while. Yeah, but uh, it's just to keep our episode short. Um, yeah. When I'm when I realized that Kentaro Haneda was the composer for this movie, I got mm-hmm. really excited because he's done a lot of anime soundtracks, mm-hmm. uh, including like Macross, which is like yeah, a Robotech say Macross here, is like, probably his his biggest yeah, the, the probably the, the biggest one that he's done. And music is such a big part of the show Macross, and he did Do You Remember Love, which is like the anime movie adaption of the Macross TV show, and some of the songs in that are like legendary like you know definitely within anime fans like you know they know even if they're not into robotech or macros but uh he also did some famicom ports of uh wizardry which is like a yeah kind of rpg like hardcore fantasy rpg series mm-hmm. that kind of has origins in the west but the ports for the famicom version all have soundtracks by kentaro haneda and me being a big fan of video game music like i think that they're really underrated and i love mm-hmm. those soundtracks so much so Man, it's like to find out that this is the same dude, I got super excited about that. <laughs> dude, that is thrilling. I mean, I think there's a lot of like proto video game music aesthetic in this in this score. Yeah. Like, yeah, just throughout. And I suppose I, that would be true of just Japanese film music of this period mm-hmm. in general. I mean, that's sort of the context as we kind of head into the console era, you know. 
Yeah. Whenever you hear 80s Japanese music, you're basically listening to video game music. Yeah. It's... Like, the, there's a very strong connection between the two. I mean, it's I was thinking song... when watching the movie, it'd be so cool to make, make like, a PC-88 remix of some of these cues or something <laughs> oh, like that. Oh, man. Can you do um, that for me? <laughs> there's that Just one cue, that, that, like, brassy one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that yeah. would, and then the the title theme is is so good, but we don't get very much mm. of it after the after the title's mm. over. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing that I love about this movie is it is paced really nicely because I feel like some oh, of the totally, movies we've yeah. watched are like breakneck, just people getting killed left, right, and center, never a time to break. Like the Street Fighter is breathless mm-hmm. in some of the bits parts, but this movie is it's nice because it starts with that really nice shot. And then we just see a guy in a suit, uh, Sonata, the, the character Sonata is playing, running in a suit from a bunch of goons in the streets of Hong Kong. And Hong there's Kong no goons, context. He's Hong Kong. Yeah, man. It's, it's so funny. I mean, I know we have like a, a sample size of two movies, I guess. But yes. so far, like, yeah, it's very clear Hong Kong's the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's, is, it's only fair, right? It's kind of. It's funny. Yeah. It is funny. Like after we do, you know, stuff like Fist of Legend and, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I didn't think about that. Uh, yeah. But, All but the it's, movies where Japan's the bad guy. Now, now China gets to be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. The, the scenery looks really nice. It's like shanties and stuff mm-hmm. like that. He gets shot up really bad. <laughs> he gets shot up so oh, bad. Man, yeah. And oh, I would man. say they, that, they... you know, this movie kind of isn't in line with the Street Fighter where it's kind of like this shock and awe of the vo- yeah, it's violence. Yeah, it's not there as violent. Are, yeah, there are a couple of moments that do have some pretty strong violence. And yeah, yeah. this is probably the the most violent scene in the movie. Yeah. It's rough. And it's that cause... sort of scarlet red Shaw Brothers blood kind of like mm-hmm. we saw in Street Fighter. Yeah, he character Sonata's playing gets chased into literally like into a corner. It was kind of funny on on a rewatch, I noticed that whenever he runs into the wall, the wall kind of wobbles. <laughs> I noticed that too, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I think they used uh, that same wall in and in, yeah, in another sequence cuz yeah, there's yeah, there's yeah. some wobbling here and there. But yeah. they're they're also uh, that powerful, right? I mean, yeah, he's probably he's a that, real he's wall. He's that strong. Yeah. But not strong enough to resist the like yeah. 20 shots that he gets into him. Oh, man. Oh, man. And these squibs are just going off for like a good 15 seconds of just him like spinning around and you know, the blood going everywhere. It's it's brutal. That's what I like, like, though, is that he like is getting shot from the front, and he turns around, and then he's getting yeah. shot from the back. And then he's too. getting from the back, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really would love to be able to play a character in a movie that gets shot off oh, like that. Oh, they just get shot off like that? <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Just like one of those dudes in 80s true. movies, like in Robocop mm-hmm. or something, that's just like riddled with bullets, and you're just... Mm-hmm. shaking around that that would be so cool to do that yeah but then Someday. we get a pretty yeah, yeah one day but then we get a really hard cut to like pasture land and cows <laughs> yeah. and, and then the cowboys. japanese subtitles say like texas usa or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I didn't look up i have no idea where this was actually shot uh, there's yeah there's no way you would go to america to texas and deal just with for all this that one just scene. for that right yeah like I'm, it, I'm pretty sure they have farms and ranches like yeah. that in Japan, well and we do we do get some great horse horse riding in mm-hmm. japan like at the end of the end of the movie so mm-hmm. but yeah it, i don't know it's just a really 
it is a really like bold story choice. I have to imagine it helps to kind of separate this movie at, at this point in time. You know, when it, mm-hmm. when it's coming out, you're seeing this in the theater. It's yeah. you know really distinguishing itself with this kind of American raised character. Yeah, yeah. And then it's great when we first see him. There's this amazing shot where he literally is on a horseback and just like snaps his head back towards the camera and it zooms in while he puts on a hat. It's great. Yeah, and that's just so crazy. Cool, he looks man. he looks almost Native American in this shot with like the leather he has on. Oh, he has I kind of like a reddish that. tint to his face and everything. Yeah, I I totally agree. And you get a really you can see young you know, Sanada looking, you know, very like he's like a a cute dude. Actually, yeah. there's like oh, a, yeah. a term that they use in Japan. I think it's called ikemen or ikemen, which is like kind of a term they would use for kind of like young heartthrob guys. And that was a term that they used for Sanada as well. And he <laughs> he had like kind of like a pop idol kind of vibe to himself outside of being mm. an actor because he had like songs and stuff. You can say he up, had like albums and stuff too. Yeah, you can look up some footage of him on YouTube singing like some of his singles and you can hear all the girls like swooning over him. It's pretty crazy. (laughs) It makes sense because he's got this charisma. I mean, but compared to somebody like Sony Chiba, he's also seems like really kind, you know, and Mm -hmm. approachable. And I think that tends to be like a really great combination for, you know, heartthrob success. Yeah. And I like that you have, for your notes there, Carlos, you have Shikinbaru lives only to die again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we get to see Masashi uh, Ishibashi. Ishibashi. That's a fun one to say. Yeah, which you got. Yeah, it's like one of the most fun names to say. Ishibashi. <laughs> uh, but we get to see Ishibashi. him uh, again. He was in the Street Fighter. He was the he's the like the first person we see in the Street Fighter that gets really screwed over and should have been the good guy in, in the movie right, that we right. talked about last week. <laughs> but yeah, we get to see him again, but he's literally on his deathbed to to reveal to the main character, Joji, that he actually was like stolen away from yeah, his parents whenever he was young and brought to America. Yeah. yeah, he's the kidnapper. Uh, Gr- great performance here in this like oh, yeah. one and done scene. Yeah. And also this is it's a really dramatic scene where he's like revealing all these secrets and Joji's trying to like, cover but, him. But and you just everything. keep watching the monkey in the background. <laughs> but the monkey's, just pe- the monkey's just jumping around. <laughs> yeah. So Joji Hibiki, like he's basically like, seems like he's a cow hand in Texas. Yeah. Him and uh, he, there's a kid that's with him. I don't think. So, I don't know if he has a name, but he has another. Let's right. presumably like yeah, a little brother what, or something. What happens to that kid? I don't know. But, um, yeah, you know, with all of these uh, truths revealed to him, he's going to make his way to uh, Japan. But, yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's got Peter, his little monkey, with him the whole time. <laughs> really cute. <laughs> but, or, like, often, or basically as often as they seem to remember to have Peter in the scene. Yeah. Like he kind of disappears and comes back. I keep... Yeah, I remember watch, watching through it and then seeing Peter jump up again. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's a monkey in this movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Forgot. So then, yeah, once he buries, uh, you know, his name is Teshin, the uh, the guy that was supposedly his father. He dies and uh, Joji's going to make his way to the United States. And the intro credits of the movie are kind of like a montage of him growing up with his father. Mm-hmm. And it looks like his father was like performing martial arts like... You know, for it really show, feels like money. a TV show, like opening titles. It, it yeah. really like does. Like the Waltons or something. Like this. Totally. Mm-hmm. So then you get uh, Joji kind of older and he's trying to learn stuff. And it almost looks like they kind of studied a bit of horse riding or like, you know, cowhand stuff with 
like a an expert because there's like a, a a westerner that's there and he looks like he's showing uh sanada how to like round up a horse or like uh the footage is pretty effective there and yeah, oh, yeah. Th- but there's also a shot that's like him throwing an axe and oh yeah with like, some like native american looking guys with like the full with the feathers and everything questionable i kind of feel <laughs> yeah, like they're right. just some japanese it's like they, they're probably stuff. just some japanese guys with a little brown slapped on them <laughs> so it's a little problematic but it's is literally just this scene and yeah. and tr- introduce that he knows how to throw axes yep but I think that this as well kind of establishes the tone of the movie where it's like there's some dramatic stuff going on, but overall it's kind of this lighthearted feeling about, um, you know, the adventure that you're going on in this movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the combination of tones in this movie, on paper, it wouldn't seem like it would work, but like you guys say, it's paced so well and it's balanced so well. I don't know. I can't think of a movie that's kind of this madcap and zany that's that's also this cohesive feeling yeah. somehow mm-hmm. right know, like yeah. random stuff happens in this movie but at the but same it, time it's, it's like, somehow okay. okay yeah yeah all right yeah <laughs> yeah totally it doesn't nothing feels um nothing feels too out of place at least right right yeah and i like also the next scene of him mm-hmm. like in japan kind of starts with this big kind of like uh looks like an amusement park but um, it's called mm-hmm. Port Tope. Not Port Town. I think Port Town's from Azero. <laughs> 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 but it's... Uh... It's Port Island. I think that's what it's called. And it's yeah. actually outside of Kobe. There's like this artificial island. And it was made in 1981. And they actually, to celebrate the island, they have almost like a world's fair. And you get mm. like a panning oh, wow. shot of that... Um, fairground and it looks awesome there's like huge like coffee mug and like these gigantic buildings that are like you know that they just made that just for this thing and that's Mm -hmm. it (laughs) and that's so cool like another part of the like time capsule of this yeah yeah exactly i saw it and i had to look it up and we see joji walking around he has has like this um still has very much this cowboy kind of stuff going on with like all the leather tassels going yeah, and they kind of play with that look the whole movie he ends up having this mm-hmm. like handkerchief that's kind of a big deal yeah and a guy tries to pickpocket him and the it's funny the monkey like calls him out but joji's kind of too thick to realize what actually happened <laughs> um and ask basically ask the guy for directions and i love he says like i'll give you a ride on my cadillac and then whenever he drives by in his motorcycle, it very clearly says Honda on it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, he's just a hustler, right? He's trying yeah, to he's totally a hustler. and stuff. And he's like, oh, I'll take you around town in my uh, Cadillac. And you just see yeah. it's like a Honda. It's a, it's a really nice bike. I love yeah, it's a nice Japanese bike. bikes from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I kind of get that from my dad. He loves mm-hmm. motorcycles, and a couple of his favorite motorcycles that he still has are um, some old Japanese bikes like those. Oh, awesome! So he brings Joji to the this like it kind of looks like a, like a mansion kind of, and I love Carlos's notes. Anime pool party. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very kind of Raymond Chow feeling bit here with like. The monkey steals one of the girls' right. tops, and but yeah, go, going even further than you'd see in like a Hong Kong movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I do like how kind of how Joji's really like he he's not super like crazy embarrassed and like trying to get away. He's kind of like he's embarrassed, but he doesn't 
he kind of just deals with it face forward. He doesn't, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Just right. like shriek into a, a corner, which I kind of I kind of appreciate that. It doesn't go full anime in that regard. And, and yeah. they kind of play with this sort of cultural thing that it's like, oh, he grew up in America and he's yeah. expecting certain things. He's saying like American girls are way better behaved than these Japanese girls. Yeah, which like <laughs> them's fighting words for sure. And then this massive black guy with these huge scars on his face pops out of the pool <laughs> and whenever i first saw i was like wait what <laughs> right well because they say like the girls say like spartacus or or whatever wait is that his yeah yeah. yeah yeah spartacus yeah they, they almost and just, he like, just emerges out of the water yeah they summon him like godzilla out of the <laughs> yeah, ocean totally He's just like, yeah. <laughs> they totally play it that way he like erupts out of the pool and he's like ah and he's like immediately chasing after <laughs> Joji, yeah. it's it's great. I yeah. love it. It's just mm. absurd. <laughs> yeah, and Spartacus is played by real life wrestler Abdullah the Butcher. And I'm not super duper familiar with wrestling, but it was fascinating reading up on this guy. Yeah. Yeah, he has a crazy long career, and it's crazy that he was a wrestler from the 70s and 80s, and he still performs occasionally. And he's still alive, which is kind of amazing because wrestlers tend to not have. Yeah, he's like yeah. in his 70s. But probably the most distinctive thing on him is he has a shaved head, but he has these really crazy like scars going across the top of his head. Yeah, they're like these and vertical, almost like streaks of rain or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and so in wrestling, the, what they yeah, do... Yeah, you could explain that a little better. Than yeah, <laughs> so there's a technique that they would do to increase the effect of like violent acts in wrestling it's called blading i believe Mm -hmm. so they have like a razor blade and they just kind of cut their forehead or their scalp because you know if you i don't know if you've ever gotten a cut on your head but those those always bleed pretty dramatically and uh, they bleed a lot but they're they heal pretty easily so it's perfect for so abdullah the butcher was kind of one of the earlier uh wrestlers to kind of really focus on the violent bloody side of wrestling mm-hmm. and he became known for that they called him something like the um oh man let me what was that term the madman from the sudan yeah <laughs> and, even though he's actually from canada yeah that's but... what i was gonna say he's just a canadian <laughs> dude that kind the of the sudan of north america yeah. the look <laughs> um and also apparently nowadays he lives in my hometown or not hometown but oh, my, nice. my place of residence atlanta dude you gotta so. look him up man I was I was really frustrated because it turns out he actually has um he has some barbecue restaurants and he had oh, one wow. in Japan and one in Atlanta but it closed down two years ago yeah and oh, I was really sad to read that because it was like oh man I would love to <laughs> I love an excuse to go to a barbecue place yeah oh, man. I had to <laughs> ask my friend Warren about Abdullah but- the butcher because he's like super knowledgeable about wrestling and he always knows these kind of interesting details and. It was so funny the when I text him, like, hey, do you know about this guy? And I didn't mention that he was in the movie or anything. But the first thing he responded to me with is, like, a gif of Abdullah <laughs> the Butcher, like, in an electric chair getting shocked in the middle of a <laughs> ring. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, like, Oh, man. There's I, nothing better than out-of-context wrestling gifs. It's, it's so crazy. Yeah, so, like, It's I a guess, bold claim, but I think you're probably right. Yeah, one of the... <laughs> Like Halloween Havoc in the 90s, I think, they had like a steel cage match that actually in the center of the ring, there was like an electric chair. And the the whole point of the match was to get somebody into the chair and uh, activate it. So he was the one at the end of the match. And um, 
if you look that up on uh like the wwe's youtube page the whole clip's in black and white because it was so violent that they just yeah only oh, wow. share the video in black and white <laughs> yeah <laughs> but these are the kind of fun details that warren and i always talk about it's so much mm-hmm. fun the, yeah. and um Ah, there was another thing. Oh, he sent me a picture of a fork that's signed by Abdullah the Butcher that was like <laughs> on eBay or something like that because he was known for using a fork and match. It's like a the Abdullah the Butcher like signature move that he'd stab mm-hmm. somebody in the forehead with a fork and they'd start bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah if you've got to have a signature move. Oh, man. <laughs> this scene turns into just full-on kind of wacky hijinks jumping from place to place because it starts off you think like oh he's gonna just kill this joji that just came to japan uh but it kind of goes from being like an actual fight scene to just being like kind of playful you know joji like jumps away and uh, yeah it is kind of like anime pool party like you were saying very anime Carlos. pool party <laughs> or almost like like a frankie and annette yeah yeah totally movie or something Um, yeah because there's almost like after the initial like reveal of spartacus and him chasing joji a bit there's like no tension actually you see everybody smiling and they're just kind of Mm -hmm. playing around in the the music it's a lot lighter yep you see this really um, interesting action it's just like jumping in and out of the water and then like mm -hmm. throwing joji in and out of the water it's you can totally see the wires on uh sonata (laughs) in some of these scenes there's like a really goofy sequence where he's like jumping like a dolphin up and down Mm -hmm. in the pool and he's like he's moving so fast that spartacus gets confused and yeah those (laughs) shots are just totally you can see the wires like Mm -hmm. off the shoulders of sonata it's pretty fun they're still pretty incredible, though. Yeah, that's cool. That's uh, cool. And then, of course, it ends finally with Sparkus getting one arm on Joji, and then all the girls are trying to pull Joji back out, and then, of course, all the girls fall into the pool because it's a pool party scene, of course. and that's what happens. Yeah, of course. Uh, then we get to see a scene. I love this, and uh, they go to like this coffee bar, and it's called Casablanca Coffee Bar, and I, I didn't see that when I first watched through, though. And I just saw, like, the bartender with, like, this white suit and with, like, slick back hair. And then I heard one of the people call him Bogey. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then like I Humphrey noticed, Boyer oh, there's, in the back too. Yeah, there's, yeah. like, a million shots of it. There's a great shot where you see the Casablanca poster with Humphrey Bogart. And then it pans over to this Japanese guy wearing, like, the same <laughs> kind of get up and looking frustrated. He's, like, in and, the same exact pose. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I love it. There's, yeah. yeah, it's maybe our first taste of some of the, like, kind of World War II lore that's actually mm-hmm. gonna stick with us in this movie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Oh, Lord, I didn't even think about nice. that. Oh, man. That's awesome, Oh, oh we'll get there. <laughs> um, and then we go from one anime trope to another anime trope where we see Joji with, like, seven plates stacked up in front of him and he's still eating. And all the girls around are like, oh, how are you eating this much? Yeah, that's great. Uh, Have, has that been your experience, guys, in real life that, like, women are really impressed by eating a lot? Is that, oh, yeah. It's never worked out for me. Course. <laughs> the more I eat, um, the more Joanna is turned on by me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then we get to see the the guy from before that stole Joji's wallet just kind of comes in. And everyone's just like, oh, hey, what's up? 
and then they get into like a little a little scuffle just a cool little thing to introduce you know that yeah. and some nice like, action oh, that, here the, yeah the, the stuff that you saw earlier in the movie like it stuff's gonna pay off like stuff doesn't just a lot of stuff doesn't just happen in this mm-hmm. movie it usually has some kind of payoff which and, i really appreciate yeah i really like the other kid uh we're in like the purple and yellow outfit yeah and the red yellow yeah he's kind of got some bruce lee flavor in like the moves that he does you hear him do <laughs> the Ata! you know the kind yeah, of yeah. like bruce lee kick sound there's a term that they use for kind of like delinquent kids from this era and they're kind of represented well in here they call them yankees actually because <laughs> it's like this kind of oh western stylings <laughs> so these kids are like kind of representing that yeah joji notices that that's dude from before and he's like oh i knew that you took my wallet and they kind mm-hmm. of get into a little scuffle but they get handled pretty well by joji yeah. and then the fight gets broken up by this man in a really nice suit coming in and basically saying that he's gonna take joji to his family's home mm-hmm. and whenever he comes in this is when we get to see itsuko shihomi's character and it's great uh the piano like i know yamaha makes plenty of pianos mm-hmm. but the where i went to college that was like that exact model of piano was the one they had in the music oh, department, cool. oh, like, that's on stage nice. so i saw them like oh hey i know that like, that exact thing those nice those nice things yeah that's uh, that's, awesome. that's awesome i love that stuff yeah she uh, but, uh she looks really pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's usually is beautiful yeah this really nice white dress on and her hair's done really well yeah mm-hmm. so she's playing a blind character in this movie and uh it's pretty convincing you know um mm-hmm. yeah I just always, it's funny that, okay, she's blind, so of course she's playing the piano, you know, like that kind of... Of course, every blind person plays piano. Cool thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a friend who's who's blind, and he said that was in high school whenever, like, whenever they were trying to give him, you know, guidance for, like, jobs that blind people can do, piano tuner was actually one of the ones that that they said, yeah, you can look into this. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Did he? Did out of curiosity, did he play piano at all? Or, or he didn't. Didn't instruments? play. He played a little guitar, but he wasn't. His art was more like in in writing and stuff than oh, awesome. in, uh, music. But we get introduced to her, and she keeps yelling out, "Is that? Is that Toru? Is that Toru?" And she's like feeling his face and says, "Oh, this is Toru." And we get we find out later that Toru is his twin brother that uh, went missing recently which spoiler alert the guy that got shot up at the beginnings toru he doesn't <laughs> right. he doesn't he doesn't make into the rest of the movie <laughs> uh but they have a great they meet their uncle who whenever i first saw him like you're gonna be evil <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it's pretty good obvious. catch man. He, he can just tell <laughs> yeah his name is ikeda and yeah. um let's see i forget the guy that played him he's been in a handful he um, usually plays villains his name is mikio narita yeah, he's kind of known for playing that type in movies. He's he's so great in this. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Although usually whenever they talk to him in the movie, they call him, what, Oji-san, right? Yeah, uncle. Like, which is yeah, basically, basically just uncle. Yep, yep. They kind of uh, bond a little bit going through photo albums, which I thought was kind of funny that the blind girl was showing him the photo albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe they braille on them or something, I don't know. Um, but yeah, then she's showing him this uh, music box and I, yes. I thought this was all set up really well here because oh, yeah. he asks her a very specific question like, oh, was the music box given to you 
like before or after you were blind or like mm-hmm. you became blind. Right. And, right. And that actually pays off like in a mm-hmm. really, really like clever way later. Mm-hmm. And I mean, another beautiful melody. Yeah. Yeah. Then we cut to, I guess, a little later. We see these people practicing, I guess, kendo or something like that with, like, those wooden swords outside. Yeah, you, you get the sense. It's kind of one of these kind of uh, richy rich situations. Like, yes. you know, Joji <laughs> kind of like this fish out of water being like a country mm-hmm. bumpkin, and he's kind of finding you know becoming familiar with this family that he should have known all along and they're pretty well to do and one of the things that her uncle and and his uncle like he says like oh i enjoy fighting you know and it's like one of these things that they have to throw in there for the movie Mm -hmm. to you know uh warrant more action but you get a cool like little sequence of um you know some practitioners kind of using uh, they're called bulken so it's like those wooden samurai sword shape, you know, mm-hmm. sticks. So what ends up happening is one of the Vulcan gets like launched. It's kind of towards Joji and he dodges. But you see like in the background that Etsuko Shihomi Chihiro is in the way. Then you get to see that, you know, she's been also training in martial arts because of mm-hmm. the interest of their uncle. And uh, she's got skills of her own. And it's funny yeah, when, yeah, and when the she's able to block it and it, and you see the rest of the family like oh wow very good and they're like golf clapping because she just <laughs> barely got like hit in the face with a yeah. wooden sword almost at a blind woman in the face but <laughs> no she knows kung fu so she's fine yeah it's really good <laughs> and we get to see spartacus again uh he just kind of pops in and gives yeah, joji this big buddy. oh man he's, now, he's now looking fly is, uh, too Oh, oh yeah, so, he's got this so great cool. suit. And he calls uh, Joji Little Tarzan. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's almost got like a CeeLo Green thing going on. Dude, yeah, totally. He does have a little totally. bit of a CeeLo Green <laughs> thing happening. And uh, then it's really, uh, he gets a lot of great close-ups too, like for his dialogue. Mm-hmm. But there's something, yeah, there's something kind of funky going on. Like, Hey, kid. Ushu Kamara. Hi. Today, me, you, long-time friend, will be good sportsman. Oh, no. I am champion. I was going to say, it. I, I don't know what I don't know what Abdullah Butcher's voice actually sounds like, but I don't think that's what his voice sounds like. It sounds <laughs> like it they're, sound they're like dubbing an English speaker. Voice actor? Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It almost sounds like they're dubbing in, uh, you know, a native English speaker with a Japanese person that speaks English like okay but it's it's just it just sounds kind of weird yeah so So, uh, Abdullah the Butcher you know in his wrestling career in the era of the 80s he became very popular in Japan it's almost kind of like uh are you guys familiar with Bob Sapp he's kind of something like that he's like a kind of like was a really big personality in Japan too fitting this similar he's kind of did like K1 and like some wrestling and stuff like that he's a huge Mm. dude and he's appeared in some Japanese films as well and um it's just kind of like this uh you know he's like a minor celebrity of the time so or it's like Tyson finally uh, like being at at month three and stuff right something Mm. similar to that where it's like his celebrity almost they were like oh we got to get this guy in our movie it'll be fun and actually he i mean at least at least it says 
like on uh, um, some of the pages that I've read, he studied judo and uh, some like martial arts a bit. Oh, so. cool! Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that, but yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Like his lines. There's another scene later yeah. on too, or I have I did a little homework on what he says, but yeah, I I kind of am with Matthew, or it's like maybe I don't know, maybe his line delivery wasn't to what they were hoping and they see to me it sounds like it's his voice like 80 yard but it's just like a little something's like a little but it's weird weird. like it doesn't sound like the way that he says it yeah it's very unnatural but it also doesn't have like a japanese accent at all to it yeah yeah but yeah although saying saying oh no i am champion is a very like that sounds like like the windscreen on like a mid-80s beat-em-up or something (laughs) I am champion. It also like, it also fits like a couple of the like charming like subtitle mistypes or whatever. Yeah. Like one of my favorite ones is come on is usually uh becomes the word common or the rapper common. <laughs> um, or the rapper. <laughs> so or the it's rapper, like, you know, one or the other. And it's actually I think it's like the first phrase of the whole movie and it just says common and it's like what? Oh, oh yeah, that's on. right. He says come on, he kinda sounds like Terry Bogard when he says it. It's like, come on. Yeah. Hey, come on, come on. Then we cut to I'm not sure where they're supposed to be at this point. It's kind of like a club or yeah, something. They say it's like his uncle's club. Like here, enjoy okay. yourself. You're at your uncle's club. And we see this woman like flamenco dancing, which is kind of fun. I don't know. Um, yeah, that was cool. Uh, but it but it mainly sets up this uh, magician, Mister Magic, and he walks out straight from like, oh, Las that's Vegas. Sunny. Yeah, straight <laughs> from Las Vegas. That's right. And you get to see him like, oh, that's Sunny Chiba. It's great because after you doing some more research into Sunny Chiba. Now I realize, oh, this is kind of what Sunny Chiba looks like for the most part when you see him in in, yeah. in media. The fact that he doesn't have a mustache is actually kind of rare, yeah. um, like he does in The Street Fighter. Yeah, for right. sure. Uh, this is the kind of the Sunny Chiba's, the, the face that you uh, yeah. come to know him by. And Sunny Chiba's another guy this that's isn't... in amazing shape these days. He oh, kinda, yeah. He kind of looks like Mr. Magic, you know, now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just with a little slightly grayer hair. <laughs> right. But... But yeah, he. This isn't that long after the Street Fighter, but he looks a lot older. I guess it's just whenever you put on a mustache, it just kind of makes you look a lot older. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he has. It's like the most stereotypical magician thing with the you know the silk top hat and the black like tuxedo with the white gloves and the cane. And but at one point he pulls out a he pulls out a dummy <laughs> like a, like a puppet and it. It's just weird because first off, um, you can pretty much definitely tell that it's not him doing ventriloquism because right. like his mouth is completely closed. Sure, but, but before before you say that though, the thing that I really like is that the magic tricks, the couple that he does before that, uh-huh. are done by him. Like you see, yeah, he kind of oh, does. Yeah, the, oh yeah, the flame to the wand, and he does the kind mm-hmm. of uh, putting a little like drape over some birds and then they disappear mm-hmm. and then you know mm-hmm. you see that he's gonna have like the the dummy with him and i yeah i also kind of feel like this is something tied into the japan action club you know where they're a, a stunt team so you kind of want to find the craft in a lot of things that you do and magic i could see falling somewhat into that since you're doing you know mm-hmm. movies and tv so i kind of thought that movie was really magic. cool yeah but that's a really good point i mean and we see that even with like our hong kong action stars whether it's like wanting to roller skate or right. skateboard or mm-hmm. you know have or, some kind of like kung fu cutlery 
skills yeah. or something. You know, it's like yeah, finding yeah. that physicality and everything. Yeah, they they say, oh, well, wouldn't it, it'd be cool if it'd be cool if he was a magician. I've always wanted to learn magic. Uh, uh, sure, Sonny, whatever. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then they make him a magician. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So he has this. Uh, you know, he's doing the ventriloquist <laughs> act, and oh, you know, man. he starts. You know, it's basically kind of this kind of smarty pants dummy yeah. and their performer. But it very quickly turns <laughs> into the dummy accusing uh, Ikeda the just uncle, yeah. of murdering his parents. He's yeah. basically but like, like really specifically, just, like knowing exactly yeah, gets, how it was done. He's slow. Yeah. He's not playing to the crowd. He's just slowly walking towards <laughs> him at his table and just saying it and he's like oh stop it dummy like but he's like oh and you did this very specific thing to yeah. kill these people he's like oh no that's this isn't a murder mystery he's yeah. like oh and also this happened and this he's like and also the detail. also he gave him a cup of coffee that was poison no right. stop it come on this isn't a crime drama but what's great is that mr Ma- mr magic like is not protesting enough he's like <laughs> yeah Yep. He doesn't seem that put out, but but then I guess looking back at it and who we end up learning Sonny Chiba's character is uh, actually makes sense. It does, kind of. it does for sure. And you know, you kind of can see like, oh, that's why he's not as good of a performer because that's not really his thing. But really, like, it's so funny how direct <laughs> it's. It's not a comedy <laughs> act at all. It just is. Hey, I'm just going to really point you out in the middle of the crowd. But the other thing is that the audience isn't reacting to this at all. There's You're no like kind silent. of right, uncomfortable right. laughter or, you know, maybe some clapping or something like that. And you only get a few like head turns from uh, the goons that are all like sitting around uh, Ikeda and Joji. But I just, I can't, this, this scene is hilarious. It's a little, it's, and it and gets then, more hilarious it, as we go on. It super does. Cause that was, that was what I was cracking up at a second ago was the next like as soon as it ends and they kind of give like a little pity oh, clap then it cuts to the goons walking into the dressing room and then it's just this hard close up on the puppet's face <laughs> it's the and best it's, it's so like, funny it's so and then funny. the and then the goon like picks it up and just slams it on the ground yeah <laughs> oh man that is i i know we talk about giftful moments at the end but that's the most giftable moment yeah. in this whole yeah. movie it's probably oh, in man. our whole podcast yeah possibly amazing oh <laughs> it reminded me it, of um of franklin, franklin. from rest of development i know yeah. as it's soon as totally i saw that like i was franklin. like that's totally it ain't easy being white it ain't easy being brown yeah, <laughs> yeah come on come on <laughs> oh my god yeah. so yeah okay so we've got all oh, of this man. absurdity right but it the ball keeps rolling so what happens is uh ikeda gets called away they say, oh, you you have a, a person here to meet you. And he's like, oh, all right. He leaves. And um, just after that, Joji's like, oh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go use the bathroom. So he gets up and he leaves. But it immediately turns into the, this kind of James Bond-like thing. Where yeah, it's like, he starts yeah. He goes around. into a back hallway and he starts snooping around. There's no really uh, motivation for him to do that. I, like, They don't play it like he's kind of accidentally finding this area because he needs to you use know, it's the almost bathroom. like he's supposed to be going off of what mr magic or the I was about to say, or the franklin I think, I think he listened to the said. puppet 
but yeah, <laughs> it's, the puppet. yeah, it does feel like kind of, it, yeah, odd. yeah, I could see that, but I just think it's, it's so funny where this movie leads you. It, it's, it's great. So yeah, totally. All right. So then he's snooping around. He overhears this conversation of his uncle with this other person. There's a guy that's pleading with him, and it sounds like oh, man. he's really in trouble. And when they cut into the room, it's like a big empty room, and uh, <laughs> the uncle's sitting in a chair, and there's like kind of his assistant who looks very like kind of, uh, you know, business casual, but <laughs> serious right. business at the same time. And, um, and you look ba- behind him, and you're like, is that? Yeah. And then it cuts to another shot. I'm like, that's Hitler. So there's a piece What's Hitler of doing in this movie? Hitler yeah, it's sort of there. like a glorified portrait like that like yeah. an SS officer would have or something. Yeah. But yeah. it almost looks like comic book art of Hitler <laughs> in a way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's just this big old picture of Hitler with a bunch of swastikas on it. And I was like, there are Nazis in this movie? I've got to say, that this whole thing really surprised me. Like... Carlos, would you say that there are many Japanese films like at this era, like seventies or eighties, that are kind of grappling with like their participation with yeah with the Nazis? Like, yeah, I don't know. Could... I, I just I thought it was like a really bold story thing. I, I was just really surprised. I think that you know this could kind of tie into like Tokusatsu stuff as well because like a lot of kind of early era Tokusatsu, you know, they pull villains and they pull tropes, so. You know, Nazis were kind of a trope, kind of yeah, type of villain to pull from. Even yeah, <laughs> even Matthew uh, was messaging me uh, a little while back that he like kind of encountered a common writer show on at like a Goodwill <laughs> or something, right? And it was uh, yeah, I think it was common writer common writer X. X is what it said. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the show with Starfish Hitler. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't I didn't buy it because it. If you can see on my Twitter, it was literally like a blank DVD case that they printed out a picture of Common Rider X, like cover on it. Yeah. And the inside of it was literally like rewritable DVDs yep. in like paper gotcha. sleeves. But that's the kind of stuff that you, I mean, I feel like if I would have seen that, I still would have grabbed it because who knows? <laughs> and this is stuff you're, it's hard to come by. Like, I mean, with this movie that we're watching, you know, like. You can barely find it anywhere. You can barely find information. Right. And like even the, like the, you know, as much as I love the soundtrack, that's even harder to find. Like you can't oh, yeah. find sure, anything sure. about this. But yeah, so like Hitler and like even in early <laughs> Kamen Rider shows, like the the Shocker Troopers, kind of like the, I guess in Power Rangers, there are those putties, like the just yeah, kind the of the goons that yeah, they get beat yeah. up. Though early guys, like all of those were very kind of Nazi kind of, aesthetics going on yeah totally and, and then we and, have the sort of dominatrix yeah Nazi yeah a little later, later we get later. the yeah so you there's know, a lot and, of that. and actually it was it wasn't at this point in the movie that i was thinking about this but there's a lot of raiders of the lost ark kind of mm-hmm. homages yeah. and i know the two movies came out the, the same year um mm-hmm. and i couldn't find the details on when exactly roaring fire was released but it has to be i mean it just seems like it's very influenced by raiders like the uh i mean the kind of truck like chase the with, very next the, with the horse and then the whip and so like thinking of thinking of that kind of being in the air i guess the fact that you you could conceivably have this kind of nazi villains mm. um, maybe that kind of takes you closer to this kind of indiana jones thing yeah yeah that's similar to um you know another movie that 
had a lot of these actors in it. It's called Message from Space. And, and that came out, like, I think right around the same time as the original Star Wars. And, um, <sighs> you know, a lot of people kind of compare the two in different ways. And people kind of are down on Message from Space because they compare it to Star Wars. But there's a lot of interesting things going on, like similar to this, what you're saying with Raiders and Hoiro Tekken. That's, that's really interesting. I think it's definitely worth exploring. It's just hard to find a lot of this information unless you know you're really strong in japanese the uncle catches like on a on a camera catches joji snooping around and he shoots a trank gun at him <laughs> and uh whenever uh, joji wakes up we again another great kung fu movie trope we get to see a fight with a kind of a heavy uh, this bo- this big Western boxer guy yeah, comes is he, in. Is he like Scottish or Welsh or something? Could I'm you guys sure. place the yeah, accent? I'm not sure. I um, think that's hilarious. Like, what yeah. what a way to get <laughs> waking up. It's like, surprise, yeah. here's a boxer. I'm going to punch the crap yeah. out of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we get another, we got a really great fight here um, where he's, you know, doing the classic, like, dodging around, trying to, you know, use the guy's strength against him. Uh, but I love that it's as soon as he beats the boxer, the another guy just comes in with uh, right. like a spear ready to fight him. <laughs> I think that Sanada's agility is showcased really well in this yes. scene. You know, he's very young, very spry. He's doing a lot of flips off the walls. And I, I like the form, like when he does kicks, it looks really cool. He does a lot of really cool, like martial arts, like poses, like, I mean, me yeah. is like, like, you know, I like to draw and stuff. I'm like, man. I don't know. It seems like there's, there's like a pretty healthy, like Hong Kong fighting influence and kind of a kickboxing, like Western influence. And mm-hmm. it's really exciting to see just how far the Japan Action Club has come, like between Street Fighter and this film. Because really, I mean, that, yeah, the choreography is, yeah, really kind of beautiful in a lot of these sequences and really kinetic and fast paced and and um, they they also just quite the leap forward yeah they'll do a bit like in hong kong action movies where when you get a final like hit on an opponent there'll be a really dramatic slow-mo shot of that final hit that happens a couple of times in the movie and it's really effective so joji's manages to get out and whenever almost as soon as he gets into like this back alley these six dudes just all come flying from nowhere with with staves wearing like these matching uniforms and surround him. And then we get to see uh, Spartacus comes in, swings in for the for the save. Um, he starts like pushing all these um, crates full of like beer bottles at him and starts tossing dudes everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool fight. This is a cool to thing too, where they. Um are throwing the bottles and there's a lot of shots of the guys with all the staffs knocking the bottles apart. This is almost mm-hmm. another like Japan action club thing where it's like, let's do this yeah. stunt and let's make it look cool. You know, it's not yeah. like, Oh, this just happens. They kind of really kind of put a little emphasis emphasis on it. Mm-hmm. So it makes you appreciate it a little more. So yeah. the, the other thing I wanted to mention is when Abdullah shows up, his lines are subtitled and he says a couple of things and actually the subtitles that we have don't really represent him well so um uh-huh. the things that he says is leave it to he first he calls joji ushi wakamaru and then he says 
Black Benke ni Makasero. Black Gun Gang, get out of here! Okay? Which is, leave it to Black Benke. So I was like, what? What's happening here? What's, <laughs> what, what's he saying right now? So when I did some digging, he's referring uh, to himself as Benke, which is, uh, you know, a legendary uh, Japanese figure. So like in the feudal era, like there was a man named Benke who, the, according to legend, he held this bridge and he defeated like, I don't know, like 999 guys. And every time he would defeat them, he would keep the swords. He held it up to a point where there was a man who defeated him, but in a way that he became like, they're like homies after a while. <laughs> so his name was Minamoto no Yoshitsune, but he was called Ushiwakamaru. Ushiwakamaru. So he's referring to, you know, this is this deep-seated Japanese reference mm-hmm. that, you know, Abdullah the Butcher is supposed to be <laughs> delivering. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> so it's an but, interesting I mean, you have to imagine though. that one over huge in the theater. You know? Yeah, that's something like a Japanese audience would be like, wow, cool. And it's something like, yeah. you know, they see this huge dude. Because the other thing about, you know, Benke, his representation in history, this guy is a bigger guy like a big huge dude so you know they're kind of playing on that as well so i thought that was mm-hmm. an interesting fact worth mentioning. oh yeah that's fascinating yeah and we get to see back at the casablanca the coffee bar uh, we get to see mr magic and it's great because he's you know he's kind of supposed to be like kind of undercover he has this amazing outfit where it's very 70s he has like this flat cap on and sunglasses and and his his shirt is buttoned like halfway down his chest <laughs> yeah he's got um, a huge belt buckle on yeah mm-hmm. sony chiba is just like it's almost like he invented the concept of cool i don't know <laughs> and even like at the with uh, getting ahead of things but he's wearing this hat like in the very end of the movie as he's coming out of this helicopter that honestly mm-hmm. it seems like no human being could make work and so, but so <laughs> even from like a mile away, it's like, okay, I can tell that's Sony Chiba because it looks awesome. And <laughs> I don't know how he's doing it. Yeah. He sees Joji run into the bar and I, I love he he's still doing like magic tricks even here where like he asks the um, bartender for a match and he whenever the, he offers a match. Mr. Magic starts like shaking his newspaper until like, a cigarette pops out of the top of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then he throws the newspaper away and it turns into a rose and then he gives it to one of the female patrons. <laughs> and I love because she's not even super pressed. She's just like, oh, thanks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't interact with Joji that much, but Joji's thinking about, oh, I need to get a hold of chihiro because that's right that's right he figured you know he's in the middle of this madness with his uncle Mm -hmm. yeah he doesn't want them to get to her Mm -hmm. so he calls the kind of the mansion and says you know we need chihiro here like she needs to get away from the uncle and then we get to see chihiro with the music box and of course again peter decides to drop in to remind you that he's still in the movie and (laughs) knocks over this knocks over the music box and whenever Jahiro is feeling around to pick it up, she realizes that like the notches on the little whatever it's called, the thing that rotates on the music box yeah. is actually Braille, which I thought was super this is, clever. Yeah, this is so brilliant, man. Like yeah. 
and it's i don't know it's one of those great ideas that i've like i've never seen imitated anywhere else um mm-hmm. yeah for sure and no, it, it almost it, almost feels like a solution to like a lucasarts adventure game puzzle. oh totally totally where, like you have to you have to bring the thing to the blind person and have them read it to tell you where you need to go and it's, it's one of those those great things where you realize that you've you've been given all the information you need. Like you immediately remember that, you know, he had asked when it was that she got the music box. So it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So they, they were yeah. expecting like her to be able to read this Braille message. and stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it comes at like the perfect moment in the movie, you know, it's like totally the timing of it all is really well done. But so Chihiro does make her way over to the, to Casablanca and, this is kind of what sets off the the rest of the movie. It reveals that this diamond that the uncle is trying to get after, called the Queen of Sheba, is hidden at their parents' grave. And this this was the scene that made made me look into a little bit of stuff about Tokusatsu because oh, yeah, in this because they go to the grave and they find the diamond, and then these monks just all jump out of nowhere and start chasing. And I was like, these are putties, like, from Power Rangers. <laughs> it was like, they look like tokusatsu, you know, bad, like, you know, goons. Yeah. Just, like, the way that they're running. They all have these outfits on. They all have, like, those, those like, straw hats. Like, I hate that Raiden's my only point of reference, but <laughs> it's, it's like that. You should play um, more fighting games, man. <laughs> find other characters that I can reference. <laughs> fighting yep. games straw illuminate hats. all. but yeah but like putties you know that was something new for us but by the time putties Uh showed up in what we saw as our mighty morphin power rangers this was a long-running tradition in these types of shows Mm -hmm. and these guys represent it well so it's like it's you're almost thrown into like a tokusatsu show with this sequence because it's kind of filmed it's it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like the 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 young heroes getting chased around by the goons before they get to you know transform into their you know super forms or exactly. whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> just a half step away from that. But mm. this this sequence is so fun to it's me. Goofy, <laughs> so goofy. Similar to the pool scene earlier, it's something that starts off very dramatic, but it mm. immediately kind of transforms into this kind of gag situation so Mm -hmm. all of the monks that are chasing them all hold the same pose so they're running all in (laughs) unison no matter where they go it's like you get no expression from them you just see that they're just kind of like robots running after the people they're all running out in the open in like a neighborhood and the first thing they do is encounter a group of nuns that are directly in the way and all the well, and actually before like, that, there are like two geisha that they run into. And it's like, oh, yeah, it kind of like sets the scene that it's like, OK, something's like eclectic and out of place here. And it's almost like a, it's a mad, mad, mad world or something. Anyways, it's like just really zany. This whole it's very zany. zany it kind of feels like a it kind of feels like a like a silent movie chase scene almost more than Ooh, anything like else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very like almost. Not quite enough stunts to be Buster Keaton, but kind of that idea, you know. Right. Pretty close, right. yeah, pretty close. To very, that. very like Benny Hill almost, actually. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Right, because they run into like, this even, group of nuns, yeah, and they all dodge them. But uh, in the commotion, some of them fall over, and you see one of the nuns falls down, and um, her outfit flies up and she's got like yeah, these kind of decorated skirt. red panties yeah and, <laughs> and the other nuns see that and they're like oh my god like then they yeah, like pray shocked. for her right yeah. away yeah like... and they do like the sign of the cross and everything <laughs> <laughs> um my favorite gag though is that the 
uh, Joji and the what's the name of the guy? The guy that sold the wallet. I, I don't. Name, I don't but, know the um, the names of the, the other two guys. Yeah, but the but he the, them to hop onto a tandem bicycle like a two person yeah, bike that's great. and start going away. And then we see one monk on a normal bike, and then we see two monks on a two-person bike, and then three monks on a three-person bike, yeah. and then four monks on a four-person bike. I didn't even know there were four-person bikes. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's so it's so. It might have been invented for this movie. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when they then when they crash, it's just like it's a it's not really a great almost like anime kind of gag. Like yeah, they're all kind of disheveled and like thrown in different spots, but they won't stop pedaling yeah they're and still it, it just kind of hangs on this shot like a, a little <laughs> bit long and it's yeah, super funny <laughs> and then they uh they dive off of a bridge and whenever the monks jump off then they basically just turn into straight up you know like ninja kind of look with like this all black outfit with a black you know uh, thing covering their their head and there's like these these schoolgirls nearby, and they're just kind of staring up and like you know un like don't believe what they're seeing. But then the monks robes like go on them, and it cuts to them wearing the monks robes. It's yeah, so a goofy. It's, it's really goofy. So then uh, you see the monks that are they're still kind of holding the same pose, all running together in a group. Mm-hmm. And the shots that you see after that, it it definitely looks like they filmed these in public. You know, mm-hmm. the, it's not a closed set out in public it's like open public mm-hmm. you know and they're like let's just film this right away because you see a lot of like bystanders looking around and you kind of get some gawkers turning their heads as the guys come by it looks very genuine that's a good point yeah i, I just, think i'm sure yeah, you're right this scene's totally like that and even mm-hmm. uh following that so uh joji ends up kind of in this like tight space between two buildings so he kind of does this spider crawl like holding both sides of the walls to climb up and everybody else does the same. And there's kind of a shot of it from overhead looking down and you can see a lot of people like in the background looking up at them. So they have like spectators Mm -hmm. watching this whole thing play out. The other thing too, is that these stunts look like super legit where it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, there's no strings on these guys right now. Like they're like, we're going to yeah. do this and then they just do and, it. And know? there's a lot of it where it's like, there's like a really long lens on them. It's like, they're kind of like running from quite a distance and all mm-hmm. kinds of like parkour before it was parkour. And yep. yeah, really great. The other thing that I think we, yeah, kind of first encounter around this part of the movie, but kind of stays with us is there's incredible like group uniformity in like the villains and especially how they'll like encircle like someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, it rivals like anything I think I've ever seen, like in an action film. There's just, they're just like so coordinated. Yep. I don't know. It's kind of, it's beautiful, but it's also, it's also like so coordinated to the, to the point where it's like almost a little bit funny, kind of like it's in that yeah. sort of oh, yeah. Benny, Benny Hill, Mad Cappy sort of yeah. way. Yeah. Yep. And that's what I say is definitely it's incredibly tokusatsu. Mm-hmm. Like just the way that just the way that they're moving when they circle around, like they're not right. looking all cool. Like they look really goofy. Like they should be wearing, you know, ten more pounds of makeup over their outfits. <laughs> right. Yeah. So and, they kind of all dogpile on Joji, but he makes a break and he gets to the ledge of a bridge and he looks down and what you see is he kind of notices that there are some kids 
kind of ankle deep in that river they're like digging around looking for animals or something so he jumps down into the river and he kind of makes like a almost like a belly flop but from his back so yeah the other guys that are chasing him think it's a regular depth that they're diving so they mm-hmm. dive straight down but then they end up getting stuck in the mud of the river and you, God, you get this hilarious so cut of the little kids looking over at the guys and they're just doing this <laughs> astonished like blinking eye expression oh man that's great (laughs) it's so much fun (laughs) oh man we get a brief scene of joji in casablanca again but this time Uh, he gets a call right yeah then he yeah he gets a call and then we find out that um the uncle has chihiro uh basically has her captive and then we get to cut we cut back to the mansion and this time all nazi subtlety is gone and he just has a straight up red swastika flag behind him (laughs) and there's like this dominatrix nazi woman there as well yeah that's not and with like this really crazy like i know what you call her outfit i guess dominatrix is the best way describe it with like a whip and she has like the ss hat on and everything yeah which is just like it's just it's crazy like this yeah it's good but i mean it i think it is good that they they go really like big and broad with this so that it's like you kind of can't miss that these are like it's like hey guess who bad guys yeah guess who the evil guys are right (laughs) i i really like this scene though because it starts with uh you know some classical music playing and he's kind of giving the typical like yeah, so he's giving this typical hero speech, and he's actually referring to the music. And what it is, it's Beethoven Symphony Number no. Three in mm-hmm. E flat major. That means more to you guys than it does to me. No, no, but it sounds catch. great. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, it's a, it's a, it's a good one. Yeah, and he says it, it's also referred to as Symphonia Eroica, and he's yeah. talking about that. He's like, oh yeah, this means. Eroika means, he says it in Japanese, this means A-U, which means hero in Japanese. So he's kind of giving this whole thing and she's like crying and she's like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not crying because I'm scared. I'm crying because I'm sad that you're part of our family. <laughs> I was like, dang. Yeah, yeah that's rough. Yeah, cold-blooded. <laughs> yeah. I also feel like uh, there's this element where it's like, um, I almost get the sense he's using like the music that she loves against her, like almost yeah. to be cruel. Oh, um, I gotcha. I love that. And so I, I don't know. I, I was, I guess I just, I was sort of reading that in some of her tears where it's like, cause music seems like such a big part of her life and she's mm-hmm. a great classical pianist. It seems like. So Joji comes in and we get kind of the standoff where they're going to try to trade Chihiro for the diamond of course because he's a villain Joji's like I don't care about the diamond so he just gives the diamond to him you know pretty pretty easily and of course double crosses him and uh they <laughs> shoot him down like a trap door yeah goes off and and it, and it traps um Joji and and one of and the, it happens uh, quick too women. it's yeah mm-hmm. it's great <laughs> it's, it's so goofy and and then of course as a villain he you know tells Joji and Chihiro everything that happened, uh you know like oh yes I am the one that killed your parents ha ha and I also had your brother killed ha <laughs> right it's kind of monologuing and stuff very very evil monologue he even has an evil laugh at the end of it. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's a really good evil laugh. Yep. <laughs> so he's going to take the, you know, that Queen of Sheba and he's kind of going to use it to start kind of a new dynasty in Hong Kong. So, um, mm. you know, the movie is moving the towards land, the land of evil, right? Yeah, towards that. Yeah, according to <laughs> but it's kind of cool because then what happens is uh, Chihiro kind of breaks free from her captors and she's gonna kind of have a little standoff and she gets a little more action like we get mm-hmm. a another glimpse of Etsuko Shihomi doing like some really nice moves and she looks this is so an, cool yeah, an amazing sequence yeah yeah. i feel like like this this can go toe-to-toe with like any great hong kong sequence of of 1981 i mean yeah you can yeah this you could great. totally see it yeah. in a, a like it a, almost feels like in this scene they got like a cinematographer from hong kong because just some of the shots look just exactly like stuff that we've seen in some of their movies with like the really wide shots where you know right. you can see lots of you can see everything that's going on yeah i kind of had that impression too I, I sort of wonder if there wasn't a little bit of like international cooperation in the mm-hmm. japan action club yeah maybe um, yeah, there's some really cool shots of her kicking guys and then them flying uh, away towards a wall, like kind of like a first person view from like where she struck them. I can't get enough of her. She's so cool. But the the whole thing about this sequence, too, is like, yeah, she whoops all the goons up. Ikeda says to you know the goons, like, turn on some music, you know, that'll ruin her perception. Yeah. And the way that this is set up, it's like it's building you up for like this amazing like fight sequence. Uh Like, so you have this classical music and it's tight on her face. And then it cuts Mm -hmm. to all of the goons standing up like Mm -hmm. one after another. And I'm like, Oh man, this is so cool. It's really like Like, super artistic shots. Yeah. What's going to happen record. And then they just drop it all. (laughs) They just let go of all of that tension and they just like, she's incapacitated and they take her away. That's yeah, really, the really dominatrix good. lady just whips her, and then that's basically it. <laughs> I was so sad. I was so sad because it was like the way that everything staged, the way that everything shot, the way the music swells, it's just really hype. Like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. But then nothing. <laughs> and then one of, well, that's the thing. This would be the most WTF moment of the movie if it wasn't for something that happens in the next scene. But whenever she's incapacitated the uncle gets her shot up with heroin that's crazy they say like give her just short of a lethal dose of heroin near death or something and then drop her basically drop her on the street so that like she'll you know won't be able to like handle it and you know people will probably end up dying of of withdrawals and it's like whoa what the heck (laughs) because that's one of those like it is you know kind of comic book villainy and you know they're diamond thieves and all this stuff but then whenever they do that it's like whoa wait a minute (laughs) that's a little too real (laughs) yeah 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 that's a good way to put it (laughs) too real (laughs) yeah it's too real in this goofy power rangers-esque escapades uh yeah so then after that you got joji and reika the daughter of one of the other guys in their like trapdoor room and the doors open up and you've got the dominatrix lady uh, it's like shot from down from their perspective and her shirt's got like this under boob thing going on so it's like the yeah. shot is like perfect for like her under boob 
But she gives this little speech and she says that she's going to give them an Auschwitz honeymoon, which is so messed that's, up. That's the most, that was the most yeah, WTF thing in the movie for WTF me. So I was like, Whoa, wait, what? Exclaim, and then yeah. she flips the switch and it's legit shower heads that noxious gas is going into. Cool. I was like, whoa. Cool. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. <laughs> it's enough to have Nazis, but then to have Holocaust references? Not you cool. can't do that. Yeah, cool. I think it it's it's weird. It's like it almost does kind of betray a little bit of like a cultural difference where yeah. it's like like I mean, take something like Raiders. <laughs> like we do actually have a little bit of maybe even enjoyment that we cast the Nazis as the villains so that we can yeah. kind of tear them down. But it's like uh, we would never make light of anything oh, no. related to the Holocaust, like whatsoever. And yeah, it's that's and they it's like in Raiders it's just there's weird. one character that briefly says like I don't trust this Jewish, you know, religion. I'm not comfortable thing. with this Jewish ritual. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but that's like the only reference that's could ever lead you, you know, to thinking on that that side of the the Nazi. But this is just, ooh, yeah. So what happens is Peter's down there with him, and he throws Peter up, and he, uh, hey guys, I'm still in the movie. Yeah, he yeah. gets, <laughs> yeah, he gets that lady off balance, and she ends up falling down. So they use her whip to go up, um, like yeah, Marty was saying, out of the trap kind of door. Raiders. Uh, kind of influence possibly oh, yeah, I, totally. I like it yeah I like it so, it might just be parallel thought but it's definitely it is definitely similar um, just need a yeah. whatever they climb out Yep. so Joji and the the girl Reika make a break for it but he's like no I gotta go back so he uh, makes his way back into the compound and he finds uh, Chihiro in like this room that just like totally tore up she's just laying down and and she looks all messed up. So he grabs her and she's like, they make her up to look like very pale and stuff. And they make a break for it. And they run off to this kind of very interesting scenery area. It's like this cliffside, these kind of mountainous rocks right by the ocean. He's trying to get her to get up and she's pretty much giving up. She's saying like, yeah, you know, yeah. take, you know, revenge for our family and this and that. And, um, with her, you know, heightened hearing senses, she realizes that some of those goons are going to, like, take a shot at them. And she pushes him out of the way and she gets shot and falls into the ocean pretty tragically. But you also get a really cool stunt out of this. So, you you know, you see her dive into the water and he dives after her. And yeah. uh, it's from pretty high up, too, like something and like 20, 30 feet. And it's kind of like, like a, d- feet. a double stunt because there's, like, there's, like, a closer camera on it and and like a you know like a high speed like slow motion and then it cuts to like a further further back shot um yeah yeah also i wonder how i like that they run away to a cliffside basically just for this shot yeah like there's nothing else in the rest of the movie that would insinuate they were anywhere near this yeah and it's (laughs) but it makes for a really cool shot it's a triple stunt marty because all the blood in the water is going to draw oh sharks gosh, to yeah. them, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's yeah. kind of an unforgettable image. It is pretty cool looking. We found out last scene that apparently, in addition to being jewel thieves, they also smuggle out heroin, apparently. <laughs> and um, we see that the way they're doing it is in bananas. They have banana peels, and the banana peels have bags of heroin. In it. Don't do so. this at home, kids. You kind of wonder if, like, after... After the like, after they came up with the braille stunt, they were just kind of riding high, and they're like, yeah. "Dude, I'm just, I'm just firing good idea <laughs> after good idea. <laughs> like this all works, dude. How about they smuggle it in a banana? Uh, 
<laughs> Can we sleep on that, maybe? There's actually but... um, one of the Game Boy Final Fantasy games. It's actually like a one of the Saga games, but there's a subplot in that game that in the Japanese version, it was like they were smuggling drugs. But in the American uh-huh. version, oh, when wow. they localized it, they changed it to bananas. So there's like a banana oh smuggling God. ring, <laughs> which that I is think great. is really great. So maybe that's funny. Maybe it's something. Yeah, maybe here. maybe they watched. Maybe they watched this movie. So um, now after this, what happens is Joji's making his way to Hong Kong because he knows this is where everything's going down. So you've got another uh, set of shots where they're showing. It kind of looks like you're just they're just filming in the middle of Hong Kong in the public eye. Because you got a lot of um, yeah, people yeah, walking totally. around. Um, a lot of people like staring right at the camera. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, he's making his way through town looking for the people he needs to find. And you see shots of these thugs. And uh, the more shots you see of the thugs, the more you notice that these are the guys from the opening of the movie that killed mm. his brother, Toru. So you've got the kind of like dude with the bald head and the glasses. you got the kind of... Mm-hmm. Um, Big Did anyone else get sort of like a, a Morpheus vibe from the guy with the glasses? Oh, sure. I did. <laughs> totally. Yeah, the bald not? head and the really like tiny, super reflective glasses. <laughs> and yeah, um, really cool. one of those, you know, I mentioned the kind of delinquent term Yankee. And one of the characteristics of those delinquents was that they would wear Hawaiian shirts. And a couple of the dudes in this scene are dressed that way as well. So mm-hmm. that's something that for a Japanese audience, they would recognize as, oh, these are you know, troublemakers because of how yeah. they're dressed. One of them's doing the total Yakuza squat yep. kind of look. Yeah, yeah, totally. So Joji makes his way into a building, and you don't really understand how he knows where to go, but he's asking some people, they're like cleaning in the hallway, and he says like, you know, oh, can you help me find this? And they immediately turn around with like automatic machine guns and start shooting at him, which is... <laughs> It's great. It's super good. So then he makes a break out of the building, and then all of those thugs that were kind of scouting him earlier start to chase him. And you get to see these scenes where there's like a big, huge group of them running, and you'll see like people out in the public eye are just kind of dodging them. Like they're moving out of the way, like, oh my God. Or there's like one shot that there's very obviously like a Western tourist, and he's like, I was just going to mention smiling and moving out of the way. It's pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, because he's like, oh man, they're doing one of them, one of them kung fu movies. Yeah, that must have been really cool for him. But I like how this uh, scene escalates. So he's, you know, running from all these guys, this and that. But uh, he ends up running onto a double-decker, like, That's tour bus. That's a really cool bit. Yeah, yeah. This, is, so, um, this is great. He ends up hopping on the top of the bus and fighting some of these guys. And this is, like, true stunt work right here. Like, oh, yeah, totally. yeah. You don't see... A- a- there's no way that they could have, yeah, had, like, strings or, you know, anything. Because... Uh, you've got the guys hanging out the windows and there's like a handful of them on top fighting with him. He sees he sees like a, a sign for a, a store that's just above the bus and he grabs it. And the bus These signs are amazing, yeah, by the way. It's so cool. There's so many signs that are like just above the double decker bus. Yeah. Right. And uh so he hangs 
like he's doing like kind of like a hanging move on the sign and the next bus comes on and he jumps on the rooftop of that bus so you get to see it's, like the thugs on one side and then mm-hmm. him on that other bus and actually it's funny when he lands on that bus you can tell that the stunt team was there waiting for him because there's a bunch of dudes that have their heads poking out of the sides of the red bus that he lands oh on. good catch so there's like kind of waiting like oh yeah. we're you know he's there's well, no you know, net you know <laughs> it, it's interesting because supposedly sonata is like a long time close friends with jackie chan and i was gonna uh, you say have to imagine the is crew is in hong jackie kong chan. at this time like this has such like a jackie sammo yeah uh flavor to it um yes. and who knows i mean maybe they're maybe they're in influenced by this sequence or vice versa but yeah it's just uh whatever the case it, it, this is just amazing and i have to imagine um this would have been featured pretty heavily in the if in the trailer for the movie oh yeah mm-hmm. for sure and i can't really i can't really remember the the movie it's from but i do remember a stunt uh from jackie chan where he's on the bus i think and he, in mr in mr nice guy i feel I, maybe like maybe that's on what the bus, it is maybe? he jumps like through the glass of a sign off the top of a bus oh um, what is that okay yeah yeah it's like somewhere in my head somewhere but i definitely remember yeah. that the other thing that i also remember is that <laughs> i mentioned i think Actually, in our first episode, Snake in the Eagle's Shadow, that uh, Lei Wulong, a character from the Tekken games, and actually is this Horeo Tekken, right? So um, right. in yeah. one of the later Tekken games, one of his endings is like almost exactly this, where he's on the top of a bus fighting some guys, and they kind of do the whole Jackie Chan joke thing where he's looking with his back turned, and there's a sign coming, and it, and it clocks him, and he falls off of the bus. Mm-hmm. So that's totally, like, Lei Wulong is very an archetype of Jackie Chan in, in the mm-hmm. Tekken games, and that ending is totally calling back to that. Yeah, so there's mm-hmm. some cool stuff all over the place, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> it all connects. Yep, yep. So the so, uh, the chase yeah, leads... Joji, oh, go. Joji turns a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joji turns a corner, and we see this, this man in a white suit holds a gun up to him, but as he lifts his head and he has this big, it's a straw hat, but it's not the, it's like more like a Western kind of straw hat that like sticks more like just a normal like fedora kind of hat. And as he looks up, we see that it's Sonny Chiba against Mr. Right. Magic. Yeah, you get and, a little bit of a hint because you're like, whoever this guy is, he's wearing the hell out of that hat. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it's like, it's like oh, whoever this guy is, he is Chiba. styling and profiling. And, <laughs> and then his, his, his line is, welcome to Hong Kong, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, they um, kind of have he a little is rocking this mustache. Like this is like <laughs> yeah. Tom Selleck level mustache. Oh yeah, oh, man. for sure. So good. And Tom Selleck, who he... was the original, uh, originally cast as Indiana Jones, but oh yeah, great. Yeah. Didn't well, so, sorry. Well, collection. More connections. <laughs> More connections. So, uh, but he reveal. You know, he says he explains kind of what's going on. That he's actually a, a Interpol agent that's investigating his uh, Joji's uncle. And they actually go to that wall we were talking about at the very beginning of the movie. And we see all the bullet holes from where his brother got shot. And he, he, I think he literally says, your uncle's even more ruthless than you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, as we've seen in the movie, that's saying it's quite a statement. <laughs> yeah, totally. And we get to see that Sonny Chiba totally still has it. They go up. Uh, I'm not, I forgot where there is they're trying to get to. Uh, but they go up to this apartment. Uh, complex and all of the goons kind of jump them and they start fighting their way out and man i i gotta he's look so into good. more sunny yeah. chiva stuff like he's yeah. he's something else this dude rules <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny even though 
uh, like you said earlier, Matthew, it, it's clear that mm-hmm. Sony Chiba is, you know, older than he was in the Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. He's he's almost a uh, kind of like a more refined fighter. And who knows that could maybe that has to do with the development of the Japan Action Club. Um, yeah, I totally think that that's the it's case. really important. Or who knows? Maybe maybe even there's a little bit of that sort of friendly competitiveness and just kind of having a kind of friendly rival in uh, Sonata like along alongside him. But oh yeah, whatever sure. whatever it is, the two of these guys together are just amazing in this the kind of final stretch of the movie. There's an especially mm-hmm. great uh, scene of Sunny Chiba fighting that guy with like the switchblade. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the choreography between him and that guy is is super cool. Like, and that guy makes like these crazy Bruce Lee. Oh, like, yeah, Bruce know, Lee noises like, totally. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> He like yeah. is going nuts. Well, he's 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 from Hong Kong, right? This character. That's right. So that's, yeah. that's the whole. But the dude's got like two switchblades, and uh, Sonny Chiba is like kind of using his elbows to defend against them, and it looks super stylish. Like the the way that he's fighting against this guy, it's it's really cool. Like one of my yeah. favorite like short bursts of action in the movie, and the, it, it ends with Sonny Chiba like taking his knife and holding it up to his face and the dude has this crazy crazy out. exaggerated like expression it's it's really mm-hmm. cool and right before that we also get to see joji um pulling out he has a, a hatchet on his oh boot, yeah that's which right. i guess i guess he got through custom somehow going <laughs> to hong kong um <laughs> And he grabs it and throws it, and it's it's a really cool effect of it being in the guy's. It's the bald guy. It's right in his head, yep. and he just starts screaming with it in his head. Yeah, um, it, and then it they looks really they cool. and then they break down the like burst through the door where the where the bad guys are hiding, and we get to see Sonny Chiba do almost like Western kind of stuff because he some goons try to jump him and he does like a quick like almost quick draw like turning around and shooting them with his his revolver it's such a this is it's it's such a great little just little stretch of stretch of film here yeah it's, for uh, sure. it's almost kind of uh, i don't know reminding me a little bit of yes madam how it's clear there's so much potential between like w- with michelle and cynthia teaming mm-hmm. up together but you kind of don't get as much of it as maybe you'd like uh, i don't know the similar like a similar kind of energy oh, here, yeah. I think. Because this is really, that. this is Sonny's only really big, the, the big fight where he's kind of the focus. But the one of the goons at the apartment reveal where, you know, like where the main hideout is, where the where the final boss is. Yep. And we get actually another uh, second film in a row, I guess Japan actually really loves this shot of the, like the shot from the car's perspective pulling around the corner and then seeing a guy just standing in the road waiting for the car. Um, only this time it's the good guy and Choji jump kicks a car. It's so, which is kind of amazing. amazing. I think it's one of the coolest jump kicks kicks I've seen in a mm-hmm. long time. Like the form that he has, like it's, it's really cool. And the way that it's shot, you can kind of tell that, you know, they do this, kind of side shot of the car passing forward and him jump kicking but he's probably actually staged behind the car but the camera mm-hmm, kind right. of fools you to think that he's actually jump kicking uh the car into itself. the car and actually yeah. if you watch the trailer for this movie that I, I think you can at least see that on youtube um mm-hmm. there is that same shot of him jump kicking the car but i actually use a couple of different 
angles for the scene in the trailer oh cool yeah and there's also like another scene of him like kind of jumping a car that's on fire and he's kind of got a a slightly different outfit on with like some tassels on his elbows and stuff and that's not even in the movie at all so it's it's (laughs) kind of interesting to see that too also i didn't even i even think about this when another thing that happened in the last movie that happens in this one uh, between the scene where Sonny and uh, Sonata are beating up guys, mm-hmm. in this scene, we see Joji in just a motorboat that he got somehow <laughs> riding it oh, <laughs> to, yeah, get to, sure. to get to the mansion. It's a cool boat. Um, it's like a yellow... Like, it's a really cool boat. boat. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy that you're like, where did he get that? Did he buy it? And did you almost kind of think it's like one of these Japan Action Club things. They're like, what haven't we put in this movie yet? Oh, a, a cool boat she shot. Boat. Let's do oh, it. Like so then they, they just do it. There's also a couple of shots in the movie where uh, they're lapelling down the side of buildings. And you can tell yeah. that they're very, it's not kind of shot dramatically. It's just like shot, mm. like showing them Yeah, it's them more doing kind of it. like Adam West Batman kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I see that. Yeah. And it, But it's also something where it's like, okay, we're the action club. We have to do a stunt. Like, let's do this mm-hmm. stunt. So yeah. uh, you get to see that. Like, and we haven't repelled yet. Yeah, let's repel. Yep. Sure. Totally. And then we totally get a, like, gentleman to evil kind of <laughs> kind of toast going on. <laughs> we see the uncle, like, literally toasting to their banana operation. He has, like, a big thing <laughs> next to him. Hey, and do you think... They stole these bananas from Donkey Kong. You know, in Donkey Kong Country, right? At the oh, beginning, that makes Donkey Kong Country way darker. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's sad because all his bananas are gone. All maybe... his bananas are gone. <laughs> well, maybe they took the bananas and then put heroin in them. Okay, you're not you're not saying that Donkey Kong's a drug lord. No, okay, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's where you're going. With it. Yeah. Oh no, Donkey! They're using these bananas to smuggle heroin. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's what they're doing. <laughs> they definitely weren't there before. <laughs> uh, but I also so this like. But I mean, hey, is... Donkey Kong Country is like grittier take. On <laughs> sure, that's true. Sure. That's true. Gritty reboot. Yep. So this scene reminded me a bit of going back to Hong Kong films. This reminded me of Fist of Fury a little bit because oh, sure. it's it's one man doing all these things that are kind of impossible for one man to be doing in this situation oh yeah Um, yeah i like that because we first see a guy gets thrown through a window directly above the the table they're having their evil lunch at and the guy crashes into the table and then we see at the front door to the room there's um, a guy like the door slams open this guy's staying there all beat up and falls over and then that's whenever Joji kind of makes his his appearance. And this is like, I feel like this, they got this from the the Hong Kong movie warehouse, this set. Yeah, sure. Because I feel like we've seen this. I feel like we've seen this set before in, in some films. But again, it makes sense. They're in Hong Kong. So, but it, yeah, but it reminded me of Fist of Fury because just like, how is he doing that? Yeah. In order for him <laughs> to have orchestrated that, he must have been running laps around the building to toss one like knocked out <laughs> dude from the roof. Then run uh-huh. to the other side of the building and throw a guy through the doorway. Then the other side of the building. <laughs> and then we get to see more uh, more size, like the knife size. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, uh, Matthew, who uses the size in Ninja Turtles? Uh, Raphael? Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
<laughs> All right, Raphael. Yeah, he's he's the orange one, right? No, no, no that's, clo- that's close enough. I mean, no, if you have it's like, not. <laughs> no, if it's you not. have like red, There's green, like four of them. The red one, then, yeah. Matthew. Oh, he's the red one. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I remember in the theme song they say Raphael is cool bill. but rude. That's, yes, that's the guy. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's all yeah. good. So size actually no, kind of we're have... just old men. Some origins in Japan, so where in in Okinawa, like kind of feudal era stuff, like size became a weapon that a lot of people kind of refined and used. So it's kind of got some cultural significance to Japanese. They were used in other parts of the world, and actually, when I was reading up on them, it said that uh, they were thinking that they have origins in India, and it's called the Trisula. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like a weapon that they. It's been like all over Asia, but I think that they think that it's originated out of India. So that's kind of cool. I didn't oh, know that's that. So cool. Yep. And actually, the side that the that he's using in this uh, sequence, you'll notice that on the the small forks on the side, they kind of are twisted out. And uh, actually, some people say that thing kind of has representation in the manji, which is actually the Japanese usage of the image of the swastika. So the manji is like kind of like, uh, you know, the swastika has like, before it was appropriated by the Nazis, yeah. it has long historical value. And um, even in Japan. Yeah, because so it, like, it was a good yeah. luck symbol. And that's why the Nazis used it. Because yeah. it was it's like a, just a good luck symbol. if you look on a map like of Japan, wherever you see a swastika, the manji yeah. itself, that significant. Well, the manji goes a different direction. Yeah, it's the, the other Nazi way. Nazi swastika. Yeah. Um, that represents a Buddhist temple. So you'll know where to find a Buddhist temple by seeing that yep. symbol. Well, and then yeah. isn't it, sorry, this is a little off track, but in the Japanese release of the original Legend of Zelda, isn't one of the um, oh yeah, oh, one, of the yeah one of the temples is a one of the temples mm-hmm. is shaped that way? Yeah, because of like you say, like it represents like religious site. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this again, this is another great you know it just kind of goes through uh, goji fighting a bunch of different levels of goons yeah because starts off with him fighting all the guys in the suits with like like the the guy with the side then the staff people come back the guys fighting with staffs with the blue pants from before yep then my Um, favorite entrance for a fighter (laughs) so joji (laughs) gets backed up to a doorway and Two arms burst through the door and grab him. <laughs> it's like the door itself is fighting. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this huge wrestler that bursts into the room, and actually he's holding the whole door in between him and Joji. It's so cool. I can't. I yeah, it's kind of thing. It. I wonder if he's. I wonder if he's a professional wrestler in Japan. I did actually put a little bit of effort into trying to see if he uh-huh. was somebody that people recognize, but I couldn't. I couldn't find mm-hmm. any information out. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, because that's like the that's the really getting into wrestling whenever you get into Japanese wrestling. Oh yeah, I think it's cool. I I like. I'm not super into wrestling, but I like mm-hmm. all, the, all the history of wrestling, and I love like oh, wrestling yeah. moves. <laughs> so um, I love I love terminology from wrestling because oh, I feel like great. you can apply stuff like like face and heel and you know kayfabe and stuff like that i feel like you can apply that to a lot of things yeah it's very cool in 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 fiction and stuff and this dude Uh, like the first thing he really does to joji is he performs a giant swing that's the move where you hold a person by their legs and you just spin around and throw them and that's actually a a big uh move that's that king from the game tekken has had since (laughs) i think tekken one who is a wrestler yeah he's a wrestling type character 
Um, yeah. But yeah, this. But he's more like a luchador. Yeah. He has the. Yeah. The, he's the one with the, the jaguar mask, right? That's right. Or a cheetah mask or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, this wrestler dude, he's kind of in there for a little bit. But I like that Joji, all he has to do is really kick him and knock him into a window. And then mm-hmm. he just runs out of the building. <laughs> 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 but then that leads us kind of to the setup for our final sequence in the movie. Yeah. So um, he runs outside and he sees that Ikeda is making chase in a Jeep. And very conveniently, there's a horse in place. So yeah. Uh, Joji, being the cowhand from America, just leaps right onto the horse and uh, chases down the jeep. Yep. And this is hey, you're talking about raiders. That felt very raiders. Yeah, yeah. That's the moment where it's uh, actually. I mean, and there are even a couple shots that really feel like I don't know. A couple moments where it's almost shot for shot with some of the truck sequence, truck chase and mm-hmm. raiders. Um, but it's and and I mean the and that sequence in raiders is kind of an homage to old serial action. Yeah, set so it could stuff. just so been the same. You know, I mean, I, I, I think it would be, but. I think it would be, I don't know. Again, I haven't looked up the timeline of, of when this film came out, but I'd be pretty shocked if it wasn't directly influenced by, yeah. by Raiders. Yeah, but, Raiders came out in 81. This came out in 82. So, and the, the turnaround on some of these movies is incredible. So I wouldn't be surprised if they saw it and were like, oh, hey, we should do that in, in our movie. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, but yeah. I mean, re- regardless, like the action's amazing and it, like mm-hmm. his horse riding, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's like, I, I like how it escalates too. So he's chasing them with the horse and there's a Jeep and then a helicopter comes out of nowhere. And there's literally just a dude on the side of the helicopter, just lobbing grenades down at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and almost, yeah, one of those explosions gets so close. Yeah. It's you like can see crazy. like kind of like the mortars on the ground where they're going to explode. And, um, yeah, after he gets, he kind of gets tossed off the horse. Then he's running on foot, and you see him running through. And th- these scenes, even though it's not like in a quarry, like you would, you get super tokusatsu vibes out of the way that this is shot. So like, yeah, tokusatsu movies like uh, and shows like Kamen Rider and Power Rangers and all these Sentai shows, they always would have scenes in quarries. In a quarry. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's so important to tokusatsu that people actually like know the quarries that people were using to film these shows <laughs> yeah as i was saying it's, i have a feeling it might be the same quarry in a yeah. lot of them yeah so yeah and, a- and the way that he beats the helicopter is he i guess has another tomahawk and he throws it at the helicopter and it it sinks into i guess the gas tank of the helicopter and the guy with the machine gun starts shooting again and the flare from the gun and catches the catches the gas on fire and the <laughs> helicopter crashes into the side of the quarry oh and you get these uh, which, hilarious reaction shots of the guys crashing mm-hmm. into the cliffside i love yeah. that stuff it's so funny mm-hmm. and that i love in movies especially whenever you see like high def transfers of movies where it's like very obvious oh that's a model that's them in the helicopter that's a model mm-hmm. And then it gets down to the, um, we see Joji, does he get back? Yeah, he gets back onto the horse. Yeah. And, um, and continues chase with the Jeep and hops, uh, hops off of his horse onto the Jeep, which is, that's, I don't know, that's always cool in movies. Yeah, I think. Hop off of yeah, a horse. Totally. Yeah, these stunts are legit, man. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Absolutely. so he's hopping on top of this jeep and there's like the samurai dude inside just waiting and he starts poking holes through the jeep which i think Mm -hmm. would kind of be pretty hard if you have a full 
like katana blade yeah they're pretty long they're like, tiny... difficult to yeah but anyways it's really cool and actually mm-hmm. the stunt just following this is really cool too because joji takes the sword and actually like slices the driver mm-hmm. so the jeep's out of control and the jeep ends up flying into like a pond and that stunt mm-hmm. is like you know they That's capture it cool really stunt. well um yeah. with sanada on top of the like runaway mm-hmm. jeep and, and that jeep's going really fast yeah and the samurai <laughs> dude's in there too and they just jump right off of it as it's crashing into the pond it's really cool and that mm-hmm. this is a, a scene that him fighting the samurai could have been played up a little bit more i feel but mm-hmm. you're getting so much action that you really don't feel like you're missing out because yeah, he just yeah, kind totally. of takes him out in one move you're just kind punch. of riding the wave of this movie so uh ikeda makes uh a break for it he's trying to get away but he's basically running towards the ocean which i don't think is such a great idea yeah (laughs) and um joji catches up with him and i love it how he kind of finally meets up on this kind of rock side by the ocean and Ikeda just kind of casually pops up from behind the rocks. <laughs> he like, just kind of he just kind of pops up and holds up. He's the like, gun. "Oh, hello! Also, I have a gun." <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Now, was this and not so, the same location uh, from? It from looks earlier? different. Okay. Yeah. The the you know because this was more I guess shallower. It doesn't seem like it's a cliff like uh, mm-hmm. the scene with Chihiro earlier. Yeah, I was gotcha. thinking it almost. It, I was thinking it does look similar. It, it honestly could be just a different part of the same island mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the other one. So this is such a cool bit because I feel like in the past couple of movies we've seen hand to hand fighter versus guy with gun and they each handle it different ways. Uh, but this one, Joji gets pretty jacked up, yeah. which I really like because he like the uncle shoots him once like in the shoulder and it grazes off his shoulder and he just kind of takes it yeah. with like all this blood coming Super, out of it and everything. Yeah, he's like, really like walking hero. into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He hides behind a rock and he takes off his shirt and throws it so that the uncle shoots at that instead of him, which I, I don't know. It's just really cool. Yeah. And but the like, like finally yeah. what all the ladies have been waiting for, right? Yeah. Yeah. I get a little shirtless scene. <laughs> and then he gets this huge bloody gash across his chest right <laughs> afterwards. Joji gets the uncle down and his, his kind of finishing move is he pulls out the the Queen of Sheba and he oh, punches man. it into his eye. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, I've got to give props to my wife here who was kind of like looking over my shoulder as I was watching the end of it. And she, like without missing a beat, she said, and now it's a blood diamond. <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's and I mean, but I also love the idea that he's he's not interested in the diamond at all. Yeah, he doesn't um, care about that. And he he also was sort of. It seemed like I I don't know that revenge was really in his heart. It was almost like his promise to Chihiro that he yeah would like enact the revenge too. So he's, I totally he kind of has he sort of has nothing nothing left at this point. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then you were saying before that it looks shallower. For this next scene, it's not shallow anymore because he pushes the uncle off of a cliff. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, I think they kind of they kind of fast and loose with the geography. Yep. <laughs> but but so the the final boss is defeated. Then we see another helicopter land, and this time it's Mr. Magic again, Sun Chiba. But he arrests Joji for you know I guess for you know, killing a bunch of people <laughs> and they fly away. 
And of course, this is what makes this ending better than Yes, Madam's. Yes, Madam's ending basically just ended with this. (laughs) (laughs) But we see that Sonny Chiba's character is flying Joji by himself. It's just the two of them. And they have a really cool kind of interaction where basically Sonny Chiba is saying, I'm going to let you go. He says, you know, I'm a magician. I thought I told you how you had to, you know, slip out of your handcuffs. And he does one last magic trick where he blows on the handcuffs and they pop out. Yeah, yeah. it's like literal, literal magic. I mean, maybe that's Lit- how yeah. the Franklin dummy character <laughs> like he's like he's an actual magician, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then it's great because the past few movies were sorely missing it, and this movie we get the freeze frame. We sure do. So, yeah. um, Joji gives a sweet high five and then basically cannonballs off of the helicopter and then it freeze frames on a long shot of him far away and then like it has this really goofy like zoom in and it like changes to all these different shots of of him falling out yeah and that's and that's the movie yeah and we have a great uh, end credit song goodbye Yes. Yeah, which is actually sung by Sanada himself. Oh my there gosh, go. wow. Yeah. yeah, no, he sounds great. It's called Seishun yeah. Hurricane, which is like <laughs> useful hurricane. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that could be the title of his autobiography as well. Yeah, I really was I'm a big fan of this movie. It was a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, this is a great pick, Obviously, Carlos. some Thanks. of the Nazi stuff is a little problematic, but <laughs> all the action's really incredible. Sonny Chiba's incredible in this movie. Like, I loved every scene he was in. And Sana does some amazing stunts. Yeah. It's just, ah, it's a really good, really good movie. Yeah, I'm super glad uh, that I was able to talk to my friend Mike about all of this stuff, and mm-hmm. he pointed me in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, shout out to Mike. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I love this movie. It's really great. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So what would you say is your, your most gifable moment? And I'm going to steal the, the zoom in on the puppet. Because <laughs> that, oh gosh, that makes me laugh every time I see it. So I guess for me, I, I normally lean towards the funnier stuff. But really that mm-hmm. shot of Sonny Chiba fighting the dude with the knives, the two knives in that hallway. It's just mm-hmm. such high tension action. Like it's really like... Every move is so cool in that scene, and you could mm-hmm. really like chop that down into like a five second clip, and you would get like everything you needed out of mm-hmm. like the feeling and the energy of the action in this movie. Totally. How about you, Marty? Man, yeah, it's it's tough. It would probably be a toss up between um, uh, one of the many like great moments in uh, Etsuko Shihomi's fight with her cane. Um, mm-hmm. at yeah. this at the sort of villainous layer. Otherwise, uh, that moment where uh, we have the the two little kids in the shallow water, and when the <laughs> when the goons like fall in, and it just cuts to that close up of that like quizzical look. I feel like yeah, well, that's the, the kind of gift that you could use like every day. Oh yeah. <laughs> so how would how in the world if you were gonna bring this to to Hollywood to the West? How in the world would you cast uh, Joji? Um man. I, I'm. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I don't even know. Yeah. I feel. Although I feel like Sonata's the the done enough Western films. He would almost play that character again. That would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. If you know, we kind of do these dream role things. So we just pluck different people from different points in history. 
to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the he looks so youthful in this movie, right? And so mm-hmm. I kind of think of uh, Atreyu from The NeverEnding Story. <laughs> you know, Ooh, I, yeah. he's pretty young gotcha. in that movie, but I can yeah. kind of see if there was a Western, something like that. Like maybe if he was a little bit older, maybe like five years older. And I think that maybe he could portray Joji pretty yeah. well. I gotcha. I think I'm, I might lean towards like... <laughs> Like an Ernie Reyes Jr. Uh, oh, man. kind of situation. <laughs> oh, you beat um, me. I love that much more. <laughs> no, no, no. Because I don't know. Actually, there were a couple moments where it was like some of the fighting was taking me back to, you know, Kino and Ninja Turtles 2. Yeah. That has like a really, that's like really near and dear to me. But um, I told, mm-hmm. I love that. We're going with but, that. <laughs> but yeah, it's tough. But you. as as far as like Etsuko, yeah, I don't know who would be a good Chihiro. Mm-hmm. Dude, I don't know. Man. I don't even know. I guess Sonny Chiba, only sorry mentioned Tom Selleck. Oh, that <laughs> just be just good. for the mustache. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome too. <laughs> he didn't strike me as much of a physical. You know, or dude, what about Brian? What about scares. Brian Cranston in the Sonny Chiba? <laughs> yeah, part. I gotcha. I mean, like, I gotcha. Not, not like I think if it was a Hollywood remake, it wouldn't necessarily be. I mean, it's not going to be the same caliber of action, but of course, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's like kind of the you know the. Character that can play like the funny, but also the serious and and all that. Yep. So, right. And rock a mustache. Yeah. And rock a mustache. That's true. <laughs> so I think that's going to do it for today. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us. Um, you can check us out on our Facebook page, which is just Hero Three Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes Three. That's the number three podcast. Um, again, shout out to Mike for helping us kind of get this put <laughs> Thanks, together, Mike. getting a lot of good information. Let's not shout him um, out too much. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. Um, Mike, I don't want this to go to Mike's head. Don't, don't we, want to go to his head. We'll keep throwing this in my face then. I got you. <laughs> um, shout out to the Kung Fu Cinema subreddit if you're checking us out from there. And we actually have a special plug today from Carlos. So uh, take it away, Carlos. So really quick before we go, I have to mention that uh, Marty uh, has a new album coming out this Friday. Oh, yeah. It's called Robo Girl, and uh, I've listened to it a bit. I've, I've kind of got it inside because I'm helping with some of the artwork for the album. So it's really great if you love, like, Nintendo-style music. And actually, I kind of had a funny thought Marty, and I actually haven't mentioned this to you, but sure. I almost, it's it's got the Famicom sound chip, right? But it's got like, is it a Game Boy or can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully by the time this episode is out, I will have finished this little video that uh, kind of clarifies a little bit of the, the process. But it's basically mm-hmm. the, the sound of this album is uh, like a full Game Boy plus like a Nintendo drummer. So... Um, pretty much all the sounds that you're hearing are Game Boy sounds, except that there's sort of this big drum sound that kind of breaks through everything. And that's using the sample channel, uh, and the noise channel from the NES. It so really, it's like, cool. yeah, so it's the it, combination of those things. So th- it's all tracked in, um, this, uh, tracker I started using recently, uh, Defle Mask, but it's tracked in like two separate sessions. And then you just have to make sure all of your clock settings and everything line up and then you kind of bring the two exported sessions together and hopefully uh yeah they all work in tandem 
super cool like nerdy sound guy stuff but the the album sounds so cool i can't wait oh, for thanks, everyone man. to hear it yeah it's a very unique sound i love it yeah oh, so cool. it'll be coming no, out thanks, this friday yeah really excited yeah. about it so what's the what's the name of that album marty so that people actually so have a the, yeah the name it. of the album is a uh, robo girl the adventures of and uh <laughs> i'm it's yeah it's basically like the soundtrack to the game in my head and so uh yeah, well, we can add a link to uh, the Bandcamp page where yeah, where we'll add a link. I'm sure we'll available. post about it on Twitter a little bit. Yeah, cool. So no, thanks, thanks so much for the plug, and thanks mm-hmm. so much for your artwork. Um, oh no, yeah, problem, I'm just man. really excited to kind of kind of bring that together in this project. So yeah, it's gonna be great. And Carlos, what is our training for next week? So uh, I think we're gonna try something a little different this time. I wanted to. Um, maybe move ahead a decade and i think we're still gonna do that but i think in between that we're gonna actually take a little step back and i want to focus on etsukoshi homie a little bit so um Mm -hmm. we're not gonna actually do a movie we're actually gonna do an episode of an old tokusatsu show that i mentioned in the last episode called jaka dengekitai the Japan Action Club had huge influence in all of these shows, and I think it's going to be uh, a fun way for us to maybe look at something that's a bit shorter. I mean, obviously, we had a lot of fun with this movie, and this episode's mm-hmm. pretty long because we had a lot to say. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah. something like that will kind of a little tighter. Yeah, tighten us up a little bit and uh, mm-hmm. get to showcase Etsuko Shihomi at, you know, pretty well. And I don't know uh, for sure right now, but I, I think that we might have a person joining us for that episode that might know a little oh, yeah, bit maybe. more. I don't know. Awesome. His, his name might be something <laughs> that we made mentioned a little while ago. Yeah, we may or not mentioned him yeah. several times. So um, we'll see. I think that'll be fun. And I, I mean, I know, you know, this movie's pretty hard to find and um i think jacka dengekitai might be something that's hard to find too but hopefully uh (laughs) the listeners will take some of this and you know start to dig around and find some stuff that they really like that's related to japanese Mm -hmm. action film jacka is spelled j-a-k-q so there's a reason for that as well i'm I'm sure it's like an acronym right Uh, from the little search kind of but we'll we'll get into it in the episode we'll we'll get into it uh until next week, we're looking at Jaka Dengeki Tai. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.